Cape Talk. A worldview from London with Adam Gilchrist. Uh, good morning, Adam Gilchrist. Let's start with the COP28 summit. It's a watered-down climate change pledge. I guess we let's, let's start with the hypocrisy of the COP28 summit hosted in a country which is one of the major producers of fossil fuels, oil and gas, but at the same time, um, one could also argue that um, that the industry also are an important voice in the conversation of climate yes. change and mitigating against, you know, the exploration of fossil fuels, which leads and has scientifically been shown to increase Earth's temperature. There's enough time, though, isn't there, for industry to have thought about alternatives. And we know this, for instance, with plenty of the Middle East states that they've looked at uh, their long term future and uh, and have invested heavily and have bought up large swathes of cities. I mean, they haven't done it on mass. They've done it as individuals. But uh, generally speaking, uh, there's there's time to move away from this. You're right about the uh, the UAE hosting this in, in Dubai that you wonder if they're committed. Uh, are they actually trying to drive this on? And so last night, unfortunately, we had the draft text of the Climate Summit Agreement sparking a widespread backlash simply because it doesn't go far enough. And indeed, the EU on block, the EU representative said they may well walk away from it. That's 26 nations, therefore, walking away from any new plan to halt uh, the rise in temperature and sea levels. And never mind all the Pacific Island nations, specifically the Pacific Island nations, uh, uh, feel that the action touted is completely insufficient. The language is weak. It's the lack of commitment to phasing out fossil fuels. And we, we understand lots of countries are based on it, but that's why we all help each other, surely. The US and the EU have urged tougher action. Antonio Guterres, the head of the UN, called on countries to end the age of fossil fuels. I don't know, Lester, that, you know, how many more warnings? I mean, actually, we've moved beyond warnings, haven't we now? Isn't it? Aren't we just relying on these people to make it happen so that our children and grandchildren have a planet to live on? Isn't that the deal? Yeah, I think even that... Uh... That ambitious target of limiting global warming by 1.5 degrees tossed out of the window. We're probably going to see yeah. an increase between 2.5 and 2.7 degrees in the next 100 years. But let's move on. Last week, you spoke to us about um, Christmas Jumper Day. And everyone, a friend of mine says, who works in, in London, says he, he can't understand UK office culture because on Friday everyone was in a Christmas jumper. But there's been some crass Christmas craziness, a, a jumper seemingly mm. celebrating the Pan Am Lockerbie bombing. Yes, uh, you've got to wonder, one of the UK's largest retailers, Next, came up with a jumper with snowflakes and aeroplane logos and Pan Am, the old-style Pan Am logo emblazoned across the front, coming out just in time for the anniversary of the Lockerbie disaster. Next week will be the 35th anniversary of the crash of Pan Am Flight 103 when a bomb exploded on board, killing 270 people on their way to the States from Germany. It, it crashed over Scotland. 190 Americans were killed, 43 Brits, 19 other nationalities as well. It was a global tragedy. Why would anyone at a major retailer, and it's possible to make little mistakes with anniversaries, but think Christmas and Pan Am and not think of the Lockerbie crash 
four days before Christmas. So families and survivors, well, survivors on the ground, there weren't any survivors in the air, describe it as offensive, disrespectful, disgusting, shocking. It's been quite a backlash. The pullover has duly been pulled. That'll be that. And maybe somebody next might like to think again about future designs. And then finally, isn't the song called Putting It On the Ritz and not taking it off and leaving it anywhere for you to lose your very, very expensive ring. It's a very ritzy ring, a case of lost and found at the Ritz in Paris. Yeah, putting on the Ritz, that's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the owner of a $750,000 ring, a Malaysian businesswoman, was a guest at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. She filed a police complaint last Friday suspecting that an employee of the hotel had stolen her ring from her room. The ring is now turned up in the dust inside a vacuum cleaner bag. She says she left this unbelievably expensive ring lying on a table while she went out shopping. I mean, as you do. Um, maybe she's wrong. Maybe it fell off and got hoovered up. Maybe a smart thief then hid it in the dusty bag because it's not a bad plan if you think about it as a deliberate action. The businesswoman's been offered three free nights at the Ritz for the inconvenience. I would take that. That's worth a fortune, but she doesn't need a fortune, I suppose. So it's not thought she's going to go back. But there's something about the Ritz in Paris. A gang stole $4 million worth of jewellery from a shop in the hotel five years ago. And similar time ago, a member of the Saudi royal family claimed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gems went missing from her hotel suite. I don't believe that was ever concluded, that particular case. So, I don't know, hungry vacuum cleaner bags? <laughs> Not sure. Uh, I'm going to get a song out of you this morning, put it on the Ritz? <laughs> I, did, I remember <laughs> the young Frankenstein version. Anyone with me on... <laughs> Anyone remember that? No, <laughs> no, apparently not. No. Adam Gilchrist, chat to you tomorrow on the Worldview. Have a good one, sir. Bye-bye.